few verses, which I'm not going to say much about, but I want to read them anyway. Uh, and it's not just for Phil, you will see in a moment. Exodus chapter 25, you can just listen. Exodus chapter 25, the first eight verses. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and my most favorite of all, hides of sea cows. Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and special stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Well, I have uh, eight things that I want to say this morning. And the first four I want to get out of the way as quickly as possible so that I can concentrate on the last four. And uh, the first thing that I would like to say to you is the uh, topic that I am speaking on is a topic that I have been asked to speak on. Now, uh, let me speak particularly and especially to the returning students. Whenever I say that, you, if you have a reasonably good memory, you will say, here comes An Hamilton's annual talk on sex. You know that cannot be the case, because if that were the topic, then I would be asked to speak in spring. That time of the year when your libido kicks in and your testosterone levels begin to rise. time of the year when I see Asbarians going around places like the reservoir or maybe the semi-circle back here and singing to each other, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there no other Asbarians have ever known. That's what I would speak about if it were spring. Well, uh, what is my topic on which I've been asked to speak this morning? Well, that topic is the place and purpose of college, of chapel, 
at Asbury College. And so my second point to be dismissed as quickly as possible is what are my credentials that qualify me to speak on that particular topic? Well, I uh, have attended uh, chapel for three years while I was an undergraduate student at a sister Christian college. I attended chapel two days a week while I was a seminary student for four years. And uh, I have been attending chapel here for the last 28 years. So I have 35 years of chapel. 270 while I was a college student, 240 of them while I was a seminary student, 1,520 of them while I have been an Asbury College faculty, and altogether I have attended times. Actually, actually I, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. So, uh, if I've had a 100% track record, then uh, I, I have been in 2,030 chapels. Over the last 35 years of my life, 28 of which have been in this very building, this very room. So, I think uh, I have... Uh, some credentials, as do many of my colleagues, to speak on this particular topic. Well, here's the third comment to be raised and then to be gotten through as quickly as possible. How much of your time will you spend in chapel? Again, if you come to every chapel this semester, you will be in 43 chapels. And if you duplicate that in the spring chapel, the spring semester, when we have 43 more chapels, fairly standard, that will be 86 chapels. And if you are here all four years, that will be 344 chapels. And assuming that each chapel is approximately 50 minutes long, that means you will spend in this room, in this building, at this function, 17,200 minutes. Which comes to about 200... <laughs> which comes to about 290 hours... Or, if you want to put it into consecutive time periods, about 12 straight 24-hour day periods. In other words, apart from the time that you invest in your major course of study, apart from that, you will spend more time in this room at this hour 
than any other part of the academic enterprise. For example, you will spend a total of about 35 hours in psychology or sociology or anthropology and about 35 hours in philosophy. And you will spend about 35 plus hours in composition and fine art. But you will spend 290 hours in this room at this time. So it's an absolutely incredible time investment that we make. Well, the fourth thing I'd like to say, and then move beyond that to the last five, is I've already read for you from one sacred inspired text. Let me read for you from three others sacred inspired texts. First, the handbook for community life and residence. <laughs> I was interested in what our booklets and manuals that float around campus say about chapel. And by the way, I, I, I don't know if Mr. Brocking is here, but I want to say I believe this is impeccably written. Right? I really do believe that. I mean, this is a fantastic piece, whoever produced it. I am appalled that my picture appears nowhere in it. <laughs> Especially when I see some of my colleagues in there. But be that as it may. This is uh, what this says about chapel, page 10. Corporate worship, fellowship, and instruction is essential to the growth of the Christian. Chapel services are held on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday each day at 10 o'clock. While attendance is required for all students, chapel should not be a substitute for involvement within a local church fellowship which is about the same size of, of length of material that I saw later in the same document that described the size of the refrigerator that you could have in your dormitory room. <laughs> but nevertheless, it's an impeccably written document. Here's the, uh, the second. I, I like this one. This is our bulletin. Asbury College, 1999-2000, page 15 left-hand column at the top, in case you don't have your copy with you. <laughs> One of the historic distinctives of Asbury College is required chapel three times per week. Each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning of the semester, the campus community gathers together in Hughes Memorial Auditorium to sing, to pray, and to hear the word proclaimed. In this context, the great themes of the Bible, of human intellect, of the world, and of life in general, 
are addressed by a wide range of speakers. The understandings of faith, of ideas, and of music are expanded as students, faculty, and staff are challenged to listen, to think, to believe, and to commit to the calling of Christ to be his people in a broken world. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Then, for those of you students who have access to the faculty manual, Let me read from this inspired text. For those of you who want to check this out in your own copy, it is section 401.1, which deals with uh, the subject of general expectations of faculty. And one of those, L, under 400.21 says, this is general expectations of faculty, to faithfully attend faculty assembly meetings, department meetings, committee meetings, chapel, and other college functions. And just a few pages later, there is a section in the faculty manual that deals with the basic subject of how we faculty are evaluated in terms of our performance. And we're evaluated, you'd be, I think you'd be interested in this. We're evaluating how well we're doing in four areas. Number one, teaching. Number two, professional development and scholarship. Number three, spiritual modeling and nurturing. And finally, number four, service to college and community. Under that third one, this is 400.3.1.3. Part B, as in David. Supporting the college chapel program through regular attendance. So, to a certain degree, I better leave this down here, it may fall off. Chapel is highlighted in all of the documents that we publish. Some more, some less. Here's my fifth point. Now we're getting into the juicy stuff. Okay? To the best of my knowledge, every college or university that was formerly Christian with a passion, but in the process of time became secular and dissociated itself from its Christian heritage. Every time that has happened, and there are so, so many times it has happened, there has been one common denominator, and it's a complex situation, and schools that are Christian 
and then renounce that Christian heritage and thus identify themselves as secular institutions. That is not a process, a result of revolution. That's always the result of evolution. And a common denominator is that the chapel program, I think most of you would be interested to know until how recently, well, it's before your time, before our time, but how recently, for example, those of you from Ohio, required chapel at Ohio State University. The chapel program goes from being a central part of the institution to something decidedly less. And if I understand the process, I got four words. I really like this. I think you guys are going to like this too. Because it's tragically true. And I think the four steps in the process are, and I got four words. Word number one is attenuation. Now, that may not be a common word, but what I mean by attenuation is the first stage is this. Three things happen to chapel. Number one, the number of times you have it is reduced. Number two, the length of the times that you have it is reduced. And student attendance is changed from required to voluntary. That's the first stage. Second stage after attenuation is what I'm going to call dilution. That is to say, chapel is stripped of an exclusively religious emphasis and focus and is watered down into every conceivable subject and topic and interest that one can imagine. Stage number three is what I call marginalization. Chapel's there for anybody who wants it, but institutionally, it's no longer important. And finally, number four, elimination. Any form of religious service is looked upon as an unwelcome intrusion into academic life and the undiluted pursuit of truth. You want, here's what I wrote down in my notes. Here's, here's how chapel goes out the window, three words. Begin with T, tinkering, tampering, and trashing. Tinkering, tampering, trashing. And thank God, at Asbury College, we have aggressively resisted that. Thank you. Number six, 
chapel is the one occasion that brings our entire community together. At one time, at one place, for one purpose, where it emphasizes our common commitments and our common interests, I would like to make a case for the fact, now those of you who were out from not Kentucky will, perhaps will not understand this, but I would like to make a case for the fact that chapel serves the function at Asbury College that Rep Arena does at the University of Kentucky. Where is the one place on the campus of the University of Kentucky where you get the sizable number possible of the student body and the faculty together because they share a common interest? It's in Rupp Arena because, as they say, we love our cats. But listen, listen. Asbury College looks upon chapel as a, the one time and the one place where we come together to share our common interests. And our common interests are not our love of our cats, it's our love of our Lord. And I wonder why we call this place Hughes Auditorium. Why don't we call it a sanctuary rather than an auditorium? I mean, couldn't you call this place Hughes Sanctuary? I guess so. But we don't call it Hughes Sanctuary. We call it Hughes Auditorium. By very definition, ladies and gentlemen, the, an auditorium is a place that you go to listen to somebody. Isn't that what the A-U-D-I-O means? And we come together to listen. We come together to listen to God. And I want to suggest to you this morning that I believe one of the most sacred, precious gifts that God can give us this year is what I'm going to call the gift of ears. And while I think it's very important for God to hear what I have to say, whether I say it in worship or whether I say it in petitionary prayer, while I believe it's important for God to hear what I have to say, I believe it's infinitely more important for me to hear what God has to say. And that's the gift of the ears. Let me remind you that Jesus' very last word to the church is not the Great Commission. Jesus' very last word to his church is, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Number seven. Chapel is something that is designed to be both 
spiritually enriching and educationally valuable. Now let me say, I'll get absolutely no argument on the first one. Spiritually enriching. And that's the reason why I read Exodus chapter 25. God said to his people through Moses, I want you to have a special building. And the purpose of that special building is that my presence will come off the top of the mountain. And that building is going to be right in the center of my people. I'm not a God who wants to live just on top of mountains. I'm a God who wants to dwell among my people. And I don't think I'm pushing the analogy too far, ladies and gentlemen, to say that I believe this building is a sanctuary. In that sense, a tabernacle where God comes and dwells and meets with his people. Sometimes God comes quietly. Sometimes God comes explosively. And I find sometimes it's much easier to seek God in a group than it is to seek God in isolation. But what about the other part? Educationally, what's the phrase I use? Educationally valuable. Now, what is one of Dr. Geyerson's famous phrases? Well, you have your choice of six. Have you ever heard his translation of the college's motto? Eruditio et religio? I ever heard it. I drive my roommate crazy. Repeating it in my sleep. Now, Mr. President, if I remember correctly, your translation of that phrase goes like this. Academic excellence. That's the eruditio and spiritual vitality. That's the religio. Now here's my point. Don't look for all the erudito in the classroom and all the religio in chapel. Don't not say I will take my head to class but my heart to chapel. If you are the person who says, I will take only my brain to class, but I will take only my heart to chapel, you more than likely will miss the benefits of both class and chapel. And I suspect this is one reason why we have required attendance. I think there's some pretty good arguments for voluntary attendance. I do, I really do. But I think there's some pretty good arguments for required attendance. And one of the arguments is our conviction that what goes on in this room is at least 
as important, if not more important, than what goes on in any other room on this campus. And isn't it interesting that the chapel is at 10 o'clock? You know, but why is chapel at 10? 10 o'clock comes smack in the middle of the academic day. I mean, I, I would imagine, I may be wrong on this, Dr. Thomas, he's standing there at the back, if I may be wrong on this, but I would imagine, ladies and gentlemen, that if we had no chapel, 10 o'clock would be the most popular class hour. I mean, 8 o'clock, you're comatose. Nine o'clock, you're shaking off the rigors of, of the effects of rigor mortis. <laughs> One o'clock is siesta time, and on and on it goes. <laughs> I mean, I believe, I believe the television people would say that having something on at 10 o'clock in the morning, educationally, is prime time. Yes, chapel's at prime time. You see, if chapel were at 8 o'clock, and it used to be, by the way, on Saturday mornings, God delivered us from that, we had revival. <laughs> but if, listen, listen, listen to this proposition. If, if chapel were at 8, then what chapel would say, let's get it over with so we can get on to what really counts for the day. If chapel were later in the day, it, it would be kind of a tack-on. Well, Got to stick it on at the caboose. You don't know what that is. It's part of a train. But it comes right in the middle of the academic day. And that's intentional. And that's deliberate. And in between your 9 o'clock biology class and your 11 o'clock psychology class, you take out 50 minutes to listen to somebody who has something he wants to share with you. Last one, number eight. I'm finished. I'm finished. Number eight. Chapel is not some kind of a miniature church. And I implore you, do not fall into the trap of saying that my favorite church to attend on Sunday morning is St. Mattress. Now, there's some obvious ways that we're different from a, a church. For instance, we, we do not have a chapel minister. We don't, we don't have a chapel minister. We have required attendance rather than voluntary attendance. We do not regularly observe the sacraments. But I think there's one major difference between chapel at Asbury College and church. In addition to those ones, this is the one that I think really sets it apart. You ready? Tell me what you think of this. I think at chapel, we will see an amazing variety of ways in which God is to be worshipped and ways in which God's voice is to be heard. You see, the characteristic of all churches is, are you ready? The characteristic of all churches is what I call homogenization. You go to a certain church because it's big enough or it's small enough, everybody there likes that church. 
or you go to that church because you like the style of preaching, but you don't like that style of preaching, or you go to this church because you like that style of music, but you don't like that. You see, the characteristic of every church is you go to a church where we're all very homogenized, and everything is done fairly repeatedly. But in chapel, even, listen to this, even in community, Dr. Stierson talked about, even in community, we honor diversity. Thank you. Until one day, we can have the fiery, humus, humorous, charismatic preacher, the opposite of myself. And the next day, and the next day, or the next chapter, we have someone who's not quite so funny, but can tell so many great stories. And yet, God wants to speak. And this one, my last minor point under this is this. It may be, it may be that even at least what you consider a boring chapel can be a great thing. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you two reasons why. Reason number one, a chapel that you might consider boring for the person sitting beside you might be life-changing. And the second reason why I think those kind of chapels are occasionally good is it will make you painfully aware of your own capacity and potential to bore others. Four years ago, I wrote an article in The Ambassador, ninth, spring 1989, almost 10 years ago, excuse me. <laughs> what, what did I say? What did I say? Four, well, I'll give or take one or two, okay. Oh, there's my picture. I haven't changed a lick. <laughs> Let me read the last part of that article. The appeal of Asbury's Chapel, talking about our chapel, is all the more remarkable when one recalls the low budget on which it operates, thus preventing an annual parading of a series of famous who-do speeches before our students. Perhaps more than anything else, the attraction of a chapel service at Asbury College is that almost mystical and elusive thing we call atmosphere. Jesus Christ is there and we are entering into his presence. Several years ago, we had a Jewish student attend and graduate from Asbury. I fondly recall her saying that on her first of several trips back to Asbury as an alumna, the first thing she did was to find her way to her chapel seat of her senior year and sit there contemplatively for a while. It was here, she said, that most of her life-changing experiences took place. And that sentiment can be echoed by many. Bless you all. Have a good day.